pornography. Oh, I've got a story for you, but this is uh, this is pre-pod. Okay, this, this is officially. I can't. I can't record this. You can record it. I'm recording, but like, okay, you can edit around it if you really want to. Okay, um, but it's not going in. It's definitely. If you want to leave some mystery and uh-huh. bleep out the important details, I was um, I was at a work lunch just earlier, and I was talking to my boss who was sitting right next to me on my right, uh-huh. and we were talking about what the chef special is. We were trying to work out what it was, and it was like one of those things that was on the menu that you don't really know what it is, uh-huh. and so you want to Google it. So I pulled up my phone. Went into my browser. First thing that comes up, <laughs> some previous reading. Previous reading. Oh, <laughs> oh man, was it in private browser at least? Like you'd left the, the window was. in the correct private browser, so the history's not it. there, but the visual proof is <laughs> incognito mode because uh-huh. I'm sensible. Uh huh. But it was right there for all to see. Yeah. And then I just, I just tried to. I panicked. Obviously, I just uh-huh. went, real quick shut yeah. down the phone. I mean, you we weren't doing like a group that. share. Like it wasn't going up on a on a screen anywhere, right? It was just for those gathered around. It was just for my boss, like yeah. my my like Immediate my immediate boss. boss. And it was just, oh, she definitely saw it as well. And I saw it. And then we just kind of sat there. <laughs> and we didn't say anything. Oh, yes. Some choices have been made. Um, but look, you will be able to look back at it, laugh at it, or at least I can laugh at it. And that's all that really matters, right? All that matters is that we're putting out some content. You're putting. And... You said that last week as well, and I and I'm depressed with how often you are approaching this as merely content instead of something life changing. That's gonna... I'm the content king. <laughs> I've declared myself the content king. Wow! And I just I just is there a out. metric you need before you can declare yourself content king? Self declaration only. Okay, well that's I'm the it. content king. Now you can't be. Shit. Yeah. I honestly did not see that coming. Yeah, it was... Usurped with my own logic. (laughs) Welcome to Deep Thought, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on this, um, what happens to be a Thursday for us. A little bit unusual, a little bit spicy. And I think you can see already the energy is different, but in a good way. Sitting through the internet with me, my friend, Michael. Hey. Hey, Nick. Hey, everyone. Hey. What's going on? What's going on? Put a shirt on. Why? What what is this? Are you a singlet guy? Is this how you sleep? What's going on? Look, I've become a singlet guy, i got to say. Okay. I, it's just happened. I don't know what's happened. Aging? I, I, you know what? I think I always used to make fun of guys in, in singlets. Uh-huh. And then I started to feel less self-conscious about my body. Okay. And, so it's a little and bit then, gym-related. It might be a little bit that, you know. And then, um, you know, I think... I don't know. Just it's a look. It's a look. I don't know what to say. <laughs> it is a look. You've gone. Yeah. You've gone for like the 1950s grandpa Bond's white singlet. Like Can this I say is not. As well? This is not like you, you know. You, you haven't hopped on for like a an extra length iconic you know print modern fashion style. You've gone mm. straight for the. Marge, Marge, the reins are here, kind of. Um, you're out there on the porch 
and you've got a stubby and and you're in your white singlet i i know they're called wife beaters yes and you know that's got its own problems Uh uh-huh but that is kind of the look i'm going for one in this day and age they could just as easily be husband beaters we don't want to necessarily assume the the 100% sexuality of the people wearing these men women can bash men as well thank you um but i do i do think that is you know a bit a bit of a look um, and I do have some like kind of old man pants as well that I tuck it into. You tuck so I kind the of singlet in. I tuck into the pants. I see. You're, not, you're picturing it, right? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah. Look, I take risks. I'm like I'm like a I'm like a young David Bowie. I, think. <laughs> I take I take risks with fashion. Some of them don't work out. Some of them I'm I'm at least you like ins- a risky fashion. At, le- at least inspiring others uh-huh. at the least or at the very least it's a learning experience for others of what possibly not to do inspiration comes in many forms uh-huh positive I'm and happy negative. to deliver yeah i'm happy to deliver on on any front yeah i mean and it is subjective so i suppose that you know maybe out there you are getting some nods now from people that might not have looked at you previously and now they're like yeah man wife beater this, that's that's my look. Good job. I think it's culturally um, specific as well. Um, and I think where I live, there is a little bit of this going on. But I, I also, I did think that the other day because I have been rocking it, as I say. Um, and I thought, am I? Yeah. Okay. Identical? You bought um, a three pack? No. no, no, no. Okay. You got so you got different you got different singles. I have another one. Okay, but I got a different one. It's different. Well. Yeah, a different color. A different color. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I do think that like maybe I'm being informed by where I live, which I don't like. I, you know, I don't like to be um, susceptible to trends, but maybe I am. I think being there is susceptible to trends. I think there is definitely a version of you that here we go just grab a snapshot of that one i think there is a version of you with a tattoo on your right arm a white wife beater on drinking a stubby of beer that 100 percent would have done this as a character about five years ago (laughs) (laughs) and now now it's just a slow evolution (laughs) into you know, this new version of Michael. But I'm here for you, man. I think don't let any of the haters get you down. Well, you're not posting that photo anywhere. Well, it's going that. on the chapter title and people listening can look at it right now. No, it's not. And I'll sue you. And I know what you did last episode too. What did I do I last you, episode? I asked you specifically not to include my impression of the week. And you did it anyway. <laughs> I don't think I didn't know that. I did cut out the most egregious impression of the week. So Not I did. Me. I did spare. I did spare you. No, no, you didn't. Uh huh. Because it was the John Mulaney one that I hated. Okay, because you're it right. was just a piss weak attempt. Okay. And I felt I felt embarrassed. Quite frankly, I felt embarrassed. Well, this is an open pop. This is a dialogue. You know, if you have issues, um, I don't think that you should necessarily air them in front of the kids. You know, we should be having this conversation in the, you know, the safety and sanctity of the bedroom. 
and and discuss this off pod. I, you know, I'm an open book. I'm I'm happy to have that chat. You've put you you you're covering the guns up. I can't I can't deal with this. I can't deal with you thinking of me as something that I'm not. No. <laughs> Sorry, just for clarity, well what's the thing that the thing that I'm thinking you of that you're not is who I am. Okay, <laughs> very confusing. It's very hard to keep track of. So... I try being me. Try being me. I can't keep up with myself. Okay. So we'll we'll just patiently wait, I guess, and see if the the singlet emerges by the end of the pod again. It's fucking hot. That's the other thing. It's hot here. Okay. Okay. It looks like you're fumbling for excuses, but I wasn't asking for like more explanation. I was on board with it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I could see you look at me the way my parents would look at me if I was wearing the same thing, which is who is this guy? You can't, you can't just be a different <laughs> it's not guy. It's judgmental now. coming from me. It's just, uh, just a, a confused look, I suppose. Yeah, like that's, what's that's, happened. That's it. That's the, that's the look. That I've been trying to avoid in my parents the whole my whole life. Okay. Wow. Anyway, well, got a lot to tell you. Oh, first of all, happy birthday, Jeff. Happy birthday, happy Dad. Birthday. birthday. It's, it's, it's your Dad's birthday. It's my Dad's seventieth yep. birthday. Big one. It's actually seventy and a half because he rounds up. So he 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 doesn't like to celebrate the actual day. He'll start calling himself seventy-one six months from now. So this is kind of it's it, it, we're we're in the midpoint of his. His calendar seventieth, but I feel like that's a slippery slope. But sure, I I have made that point as well. Um, he doesn't look a, a day over sixty nine. Uh huh. Oh yeah, he was sixty nine. Oh yeah, said anything? And we missed it. Fuck. God. What kind of sons are we? <laughs> what What have we done? Yeah. But yeah. Happy birthday, Jeff. Thank you. Toast. I don't know why I said thank you. Yeah. What's what's the Ukrainian one? Sprodo Skoda. Nastarovia. Nastarovia. Actually, I think it's Ukrainian. It's Russian. But okay, well, we shouldn't same, do that. <laughs> Fucking hell. I do have another bit of um, follow up, actually. Speaking of dad, in the last episode, or possibly two ago, we were talking about the impact of music. And I had said that dad wasn't a Beatles guy because we were talking about Paul McCartney and I got a follow-up, which I need to correct the, the record on. Um, he sent a message saying, by the way, repod, the Beatles changed my life. I was just more Lennon than McCartney. So uh, what, did you, what had you said about him? I had said that? that he has had not got into Paul McCartney's work. Right. Um, and... I had taken that to mean that he was sort of so-so on the Beatles. But that was incorrect. I, I stand corrected. The Beatles changed his life. He was just I a agree. Lenin guy. I agree. I'm more of a Lenin guy too. They shot the wrong one, but in my opinion. <laughs> if you could go back and take that shot again, you would definitely aim for Paul. Imagine, I mean, I think John would have grown up to be a more interesting character than Paul has. I mean, Paul has just blanded out. Like, I know he's done some interesting music, like we spoke about last episode, but now, now he's just You mean just as a celebrity? And, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't imagine John Lennon being just, like, walking around dating, I don't know, well, who's Paul McCartney date? Linda McCartney. <laughs> I don't think they're dating anymore. I think they're fairly stable. Well... That's because he's so boring. <laughs> he, 
John, John and Yoko would still be together. They'd still be making terrible, terrible art. I saw a video of John Lennon jamming with uh, some like incredibly good guitar player, like a bluesy kind of soul jazzy guitar player. Yeah. And Yoko comes in halfway through and starts like screaming. <laughs> the, the guitar player is just like, visit this is like from the 80s or yeah. 70s and the guitar player is visibly like what the fuck <laughs> hilarious um i was recently reading eric idol's autobiography um eric idol of monty python fame um and he was incredibly close with john lennon they were just like oh, sorry those those groups were all moving in the same spaces and the Pythons and the Beatles and everyone were all just kind of these superstars at the same time. And they were all funny and all friends and ended up because Monty Python was often struggling to get things made or funded, uh, that they would lean on their like rocker friends who had all the touring millions from their albums to fund things. So Monty Python and the Holy Grail was funded by Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Genesis, and Jethro Tull. They all, they all gave the money so they could make the film. Wow. And then um, George Harrison is who Eric Idle became close with. And he mortgaged his house to finance Life of Brian. Like Did he get his money back? I, I'm sure he Did got his money Did that make money? Back. Well, it feels like maybe that could have been like a cult classic that was discovered later. Yeah. I mean, it. I think it probably was a tough sell in America um, from my memory of the, the novel. They were talking about having, you know, doing something that was seen as sacrilegious in a very religious um, country was um, a bit of a tough thing. But I'm sure that it's, I'm sure it's made its money back now. But um, yeah. yeah, the Eric Idle autobiography is just this incredibly... Um, just surreal level of intersection of all these famous people. Like it would sound name droppy if it wasn't just for the fact that like these are some of the most popular people in the world and everyone they run into is interesting. But um, yeah, I just, um, the, the, the stories that they tell of, of like hanging out at George Harrison's house and just like writing jokes together, like what a crazy intersection of two incredible groups of people. It was a crazy time. Crazy time. This is my impression of John Lennon funding the life of Brian. Impression of the week. Yeah, go on, I'll give you a couple of dollars. We need 10,000 pounds. Hey, Yoko. Yoko. Do you have 10,000 pounds for these Monty Python lads? Completely, completely wrong. Okay. <laughs> well, the good thing is there's no historical footage that we could go back to to hear what they sounded like so it's it's a science's best guess and i think that you're pretty close got a lot to tell you though okay please um, I'm, I'm i'm eager let me just kick it off went to the dentist <laughs> oh okay yeah okay is back i'm very excited now Strap same in. dentist as last time no dude no okay so bit of backstory here i think a few years on the pod i told a story about getting a tooth removed mm -hmm. i was at uni at the time i had a nomani uh -huh. i had a nomani uh -huh. um that was when and... you were in your italian phase and you were, <laughs> you were wearing all those skivvies that's how i beg for stuff yeah. i'm like but the please i don't have any money uh -huh. 
And, One of the few voices that I suppose ethnically appropriate these days. Um, and I got a uh, a tooth extracted By rather than get dentist. going. Uh, let's okay. It was a it was a dentist that happens to specialize in vet dentistry. Yes, but it, I mean it's all the same stuff, right? It's the same tooth. It's the same kind of thing. We've all, we've all got mouths. Uh huh. We've all got we've all got teeth. What's the difference, really, between a horse, a horse, a horse mouth, and a human mouth? <laughs> you picked, you picked horse. <laughs> is the one you're going for? Well, That's... I think she actually did work on horses. <laughs> okay, <laughs> That's so why. Yeah, would, yeah, truth. So um, I didn't have any money at the time. Got, got to just. I said, just rip it out, doc. Yeah, no and anesthesia. Said, well, I think I don't think I would have done it without anesthesia, but anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> So it's been about four years uh, since I've been back yes. to the dentist. Yes. And this time, you know, I got a little bit more money. I got private health insurance. Yeah, go. So I think, yeah. Um, I so I think, you know, I'll go. I'll go to the dentist, see what's going on. Um, so this now, was this was unprompted. This wasn't like I got an issue. This is like let's just go hang out. Let's just see what's new. Well, I mean unprompted but hadn't been in four years and health insurance kicked in sure okay so that's that's that and um and just a little bit more context here we had a family dentist growing up who was a ukrainian guy um i won't obviously say his name but he was a very scary character close okay it's actually very close (laughs) (laughs) Um, and he was a very scary character to me and my brother and my sister, uh-huh. but he was my dad's high school friend and he would basically give us free dental. Oh, that's nice. Um, it was nice. Um, but he would often scold us. Uh, and by scold, I mean, Slap. like yell. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I, I like, I would, I prefer physical violence to verbal violence. Oh, I can that's, handle it better. That's why you have the wife beater. That's how I lost a tooth. Um, <laughs> and this guy, so he, he did our dental work all through growing up from like age five to probably 22 when, you know, we were still in Adelaide. Yeah. And, um, and so that was my, that's been my, my, main dentist for my whole life but now i've gone so you know i haven't really it's been a decade off and now you're sort of back in the system well yeah i mean i've gone to horse dentist and i've gone to emergency uh, stuff another checkup p thing but it was it was i wasn't committed yeah so now i found another dentist and she's great yeah right great dentist um she was so I went in there. I was like, just getting a routine checkup and a, and a clean. She takes a couple of X's. Uh, x-rays and she's like, oh, baby, we got some problems. Oh. Apparently, I have two cracked teeth. So I have in the front, I have a crack in the front tooth and a crack in the tooth right next to it. Oh. And she says, do you grind your teeth? And I said, I have. I mean, I've never thought that as a possibility before in my life. She looks at the um, 
she looks at the x-rays and she goes, yeah, you definitely grind your teeth and you've grind them, you, you've grind, grinded them to a point where you've, you're getting a crack in them, Oof. which is insane. That's classic me, horse behavior. Is that a horse? <laughs> yeah, that was very good, actually. Um, then, then she says, how stressed are you? And I'm like, well, I'm fine, baby. I'm fine. I call her baby. <laughs> Um, and <laughs> yeah, she says, sure. well, please stop calling we, me that. Yeah. We only usually see this in people with severe stress. And I'm like, well, chill out. Like I'm, I feel like I'm fine, but now I'm feeling, now I'm stressed. Yeah. Other than um, rapidly changing my visual identity. Uh, I have no other symptoms <laughs> that might suggest something sort of roiling beneath the surface, trying to get out. <laughs> um, I forgot to uh, I forgot to add that I went to I went to the dentist at two thirty uh, p.m. Very good, thank you. Um, and that's the most just... desirable slot as well. Like that's when everyone wants it. <laughs> I mean, I imagine in a in a dentistry office that they I would avoid like the the two thirty slot. I would be <laughs> just, like, we've there's got a two fifteen and a two forty five. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to deal with people it's coming in. It's just not worth it to my sanity. Let's just block that fifteen out. Everyone, go have a cup of tea. That's when lunch is. That's, yeah. lunch is at two thirty. <laughs> okay, we don't want some dickhead coming in saying, "Oh, dentist at two thirty. Yeah. Anyway, now the other part of this. So that was that. My teeth are fucked. I have to go back for a filling. I've got a chip in my tooth. I've got to get multiple fillings. Yeah. It's gonna cost me an arm and a leg uh-huh. but what can you do Needs when doing. you avoid the dentist for four years yes. and go to vet dentists before that uh-huh. so that's what happens also she said so I, the reason i brought up the childhood dentist was that she said that like she was like who was your who's your previous dentist because some of their work looks a little unfinished oh little little rushed speak to my brother he said he went to the dentist recently they said the same thing to him oh shit so we reckon that our our childhood dentist because he's given giving my dad a free free ride free pass uh was maybe not putting as much effort in yeah oh so, so what what is that manifested in like what work was unfinished like I've got Feelings. an unfinished filling. I've got an unfinished filling. Oh. She said, I've had a root canal like ages ago. Yeah. She said like, there's a cap on that and it doesn't look great. It doesn't look right. But anyway, we'll put up, we'll put up that dentistry uh, in the chapter notes. So yeah. everyone can go take that place. <laughs> the other, the other interesting part about this dentistry trip was that she was, so I got to say she was a very nice dentist. She, she was very upfront. She's like, this is what we're going to do. We're talking you youngish? Been... No. She's probably 50, 60. Okay. Yeah, right. Very Chinese. Okay, great. Very Chinese. Um, that'll come back around later. And uh, she was like, I, this is what I really respect. She's like, okay, you've come in for a scale and clean, whatever they call that, check yep. up and clean. Um, but because you haven't been to the dentist in a while, I want to take some x-rays. So I'm going to run your healthcare card through and I'm going to give you a quote. So before we do any work, I'm going to let you know exactly 
how much you're up for. Yeah. I'm like, great, thank you. That's that's good dentistry. The whole time she's telling me, she she tried to get me to change health funds, actually. Well, oh. my mouth was clamped open. She's like, you're with the wrong fund. I'm just going to say, you know, you're not going to get more bang. For, you're going to get more bang for your bunk with these guys. She might have worked for them. But then she, um, so I said she was very Chinese. Now, I don't, I'm not going to, this is not to make fun of anyone, but it's just like a, a, a faux pas. I kept asking her to clarify what she was saying because it was one of those situations where the where the R's were the L's, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And at one point she was asking me if I had a, a Lucano. Right. And I was like, a, lu- a Lucano? She's like, a Lucano. Oh, no. And I was like, Root canal. oh, I, I initially... I was like, in my head, I was scanning. I didn't want to embarrass the lady. You know, I was thinking, look and all. Is that like a dentist? Like they have a look and they do everything, you know, yeah. to look and all. I'm thinking, look, look, look anal. I'm like, root canal. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Don't I feel like a big bag of potatoes? Yeah. Great dentist. Uh, but I'm going back next week for... Yeah. A whole so, to do. So what are we, what are we, what's on the table here? We've got cracks in the teeth. What do they do with those? Patch them up. Look, um, I wasn't listening. She's given me a brochure. Okay. First things first, I'm getting, I've got a chipped tooth right at the front. Uh-huh. She's got a, she's going to put a thing in that, sew that up. Uh-huh. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. Staple it. Clamp it back together. Yeah. Super Some glue it. Rubber bands. Yeah. Um, I'm still thinking horse, horse dentistry terms, horse, so that's yeah. what they would do. Um, give me a little bit of ketamine, I assume. Yeah, stroke your mane. Um, I don't know what, I don't know exactly what they do. I don't know. I, I Everyone hates the dentist. I know this is like, you know, a thing that it's cliche to say, but I really fucking hate the dentist and I don't hate it because of the pain. I can deal with the pain. I can deal with the injections. What I hate is the vibration of those tools on your like the back of your your bottom front teeth. Yeah. I I just I can't stand it, dude. Yeah. I, it's the worst. And I was I kept thinking the whole time while I was there that your my teeth is you're basically just operating on my skull because your teeth are just your skull. Yep. I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, there is the reason I asked about age was I think that they're the next generation of dentistry that's sort of come up as we have is very aware of the perception that it is just like a nightmare place that everyone hates. And you've got to imagine just as like, there's, there's a lot of suicide, I believe in the dentistry profession because easy access to drugs. And it's a, everyone comes in hating you no and happy. feeling unhappy. And I get it. It's like grim, right? So there, yeah. it does feel like like my dentist over here that I found, and I'm I'm pretty good with the dentist. I don't I don't mind it at all. I'm, part of that I guess is because I am anal enough to take good care of the teeth that when I go to the dentist, it doesn't. I never have like drastic things I need to deal with, so it's never right. like been terrifying. Um, but the the one that I've got over here is marketing itself as the nicest people like the dentist to go to if you hate the dentist and they actively do try to be 
just the most supportive, like, friendliest place. Like, if you go there and you're a kid, they've got, like, a PlayStation set up in the waiting room. You know, they've got huge TVs on the roof. You, you can watch whatever you want. But all the people, it feels like almost like they're holding your hand, just being like, hi, how you doing? Like, on every aspect of it, they are consciously trying to be not awful. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's lovely, and, and they've got very nice rooms and everything, but it's all because societally i think we all just have this resistance to get to go and get it done right well i mean why would anyone enjoy it i mean it's like just just knock me out like i would rather take a general anesthetic every time i go to the dentist than have to deal with <laughs> holding my mouth open and having drills put in it yeah it's, it's just the worst fucking feeling they need to set up some pavlovian thing from an early age yeah um to, well it is to weird of... to me that it is not part of like medicare right like so, it doesn't seem to be part of the national health care plans just about anywhere no it's weird. such an oversight it's so weird i mean it must it's be not, fucking expensive it, but yeah i don't i don't think it's an oversight it's like a, it's it, they're actively avoiding it because it's expensive as fuck yeah which is the other but bad it, thing it, about the dentist. Like, it's so... <laughs> on, top, on top of everything else, it's fucking expensive. Yeah. 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 The, um, there was a proposal. I'm pretty sure someone... Maybe one of the Labor governments three years ago, yeah, something like that, was talking about bringing dentistry into the, the, the Medicare, um, you know, family, I suppose, which would be... You'd have to think that the long-term benefits of it do pay for the costs of, of maintaining it. And even if it doesn't, it kind of feels like it's one of those things where for quality of life for so many people, the government ought to have a, a you know, toe in that pool. Well, it's it's just weird to be like, um, you know, uh, shoulder, is that is that Medicare? Yeah. Br head, that Medicare? Yeah. Foot, Medicare? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Medicare. Teeth? Medi no. N not mouth, that no. one. Mouth, no. No, no, no. Not, no. not mouth. Ear? Yeah, yeah, well, yes, ear, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah, absolutely. Eyes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mouth? No, no, not mouth. Not the mouth. Why? No, not mouth. Yeah. Throat? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You want throat stuff? We can do throat. Literally everything else. Yeah. I mean, the psych access thing is also this kind of growing um, demand, but also uh, it feels like shrinking practitioners, right? Because getting into psychology is very difficult as a career but then getting a psychologist if you need or want support is almost harder like it yeah. is so 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 understaffed and so difficult that it seems like people are you know burning out in those careers and and leaving it behind and, and I, you can't blame them but that's another one where it feels like there needs to be this huge sort of um national or, or federal level action taken to make that more accessible to people yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the dentist saga over. Well, it's Keep not because you're going back next week. I hope it goes well. Yeah. How, yeah. how many dollars are we talking? What was your quote? Well, the initial one for the checkup and the things was I was even with health insurance I was out of pocket a hundred bucks, which is not bad, but yeah. I haven't had any feelings yet. Yeah. So yeah, a few more. It's going to be. A, I'm expecting to fork out a grand. Yeah. I think Sean has been putting off dental work for a few years now, and I think he's got like a $4,000 bill or something sitting there that needs doing. 
Don't do it, Sean. Just avoid it. Sweep it under the rug. That's my advice. <laughs> yes. He does bring up the horse dentist all the time, so I think your stories have definitely <laughs> left I an know. impact. Um, Casper's phoned in, and he's uh, he's got a discussion topic for us. Oh. Nick? Casper. Last time I spoke to him, he was in Madrid. Wow. Crashing cars. I think he crashed a car or his car broke down or something like that. Professionally. Oh. Yeah, he's a he's a Formula One racer now. But he's phoned in. <laughs> I believe it. Um, I hope he doesn't hear this. Now, I don't know if you saw this article that um, Roald, Dahl, Roald Dahl's books are being rewritten to remove con- controversial language. Yeah. Have you heard about this? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to read a little bit of this article. Yeah. So it says, um, fat, ugly, and flabby are among the hundreds of words that have been removed from Roald Dahl's children's books so the stories can continue to be enjoyed by all today. Publishers have made a string of changes to Dahl's work, primarily around language related to weight, mental health, violence, gender, and race. They have also inserted sentences into the books, book, books, which were not written by the author. In Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, for example, Augustus Gloop is described as enormous rather than fat. Mrs. Twits from the Twits is now just beastly rather than ugly and beastly. References to female characters have also been changed to say woman, according to the Daily Telegraph. Mrs. Trunchbull, for example, is described as a most formidable woman instead of female. The witches, 59, in The Witches, 59 changes were said to have been made, the publication said. One paragraph explaining that witches are bald beneath their wigs ends with the new line, there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs and there is certainly nothing wrong with that. Gender-neutral terms have also been added. The Oompa Loompas in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory are now called small people instead of small men. References to mother and father have been replaced with parents with mentions of girls and boys becoming children. I don't need to go on, but uh, you got any sure. thoughts on this? You think it's good? Eh. You think it's bad? I mean, I don't think anyone was asking for it, right? The, um, the interesting thing, my understanding of this is this has actually happened now that new owners have taken control of the property. So I have a memory that Netflix bought the entire Roald Dahl estate. Is that, is that right? Really? Did they say that there? I'm pretty sure they actually own the book rights. Wow. Okay. Not just the movie rights. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But I, my understanding is that whoever the new owners of the Dial Estate are, they have now taken control of it and are making the changes as they see fit, presumably based on some form of market research to make it palatable or to continue to stay in libraries into the future. Um I think it's an interesting example, perhaps, of where, like, copyright law has so become fucked. Like, this should have, by now, been out of copyright, right? Like, he was writing this shit 70 years ago, 60 years ago. What do you mean by that, though? Like, why, why, like, this wouldn't be a problem, right, if it was in the public domain, like, fucking Sherlock Holmes. And then anyone could be writing these stories, or anyone could be writing these versions or annotating them or changing them however they're wanting right but because it's one corporation that's still owning the copyright they make these changes and it becomes a news story so Um, you're saying that what once it's in the public domain then it becomes like 
untouchable. Is that what you're saying? No, it becomes the opposite. It means that anyone can do something with something in the public domain. So one person can come out and make the PC version of Roald Dahl and another person can make the the original version of Roald Dahl and, and that all of them can can coexist. But when you are still being owned by one one family or a state or corporation or whoever owns it, you get the one version and that's that. Mm. Um, I'm getting off on a tangent here because we're not really talking about copyright, but you, you can look at the, some of the, the ways in which things like the Disney Corporation have extended the the age or, or the number of years um, that an item remi- remains in their possession explicitly so they can continue to profit off stuff exclusively because they don't want Mickey Mouse to go out and become <laughs> someone else's um, fucked up Rick and Morty, you know, property or whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, th- th- that's a slight tangent. Um, when it comes to the language of it, I don't think that anyone's asked for this, right? So, I, I, like, I don't, and I, I mean that in the sense of, like, I don't think this is the fruition of a years-long campaign by the woke left to fix no. Roald Dahl. Like, I don't know anyone who's fucking been talking about this. No. It just seems like a just like a random, slightly unnecessary change, but I don't know. It doesn't really bother me. It just seems unnecessary. Yeah, well, it was, it was, I was interested to see that Casper seemed kind of bothered to me because he's a bit of a, a bit of a wokey boy. Um, hmm. But he, but I guess he likes his, he likes his books. He likes his literature. So I think this is maybe where he was drawing the line where he sure. was kind of incensed by the idea that you'd rewrite you know, a, a classic novelist, but I guess yeah. it's, I guess it's, uh, and like you said, no one, no one asked for it. It seems like a preemptive thing, you know, either they're going, okay, well in a couple of years, if not a couple of months, people might start saying if, if the books are selling well, which I'm, I'm guessing that they are. And, and, you know, young, young parents who grew up with Roald Dahl are wanting to, you know, share that with their, their new children. Yeah. Um, so I get it from that perspective, but like, if it's not that, and it's like trying to get publicity for the fact that like, Hey, look what we're doing. We're rewriting it. And you know, we're, you know, we're hip, we're cool. We're, we're woke. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of gross to me. I think if they're doing it, surely they're self-aware enough to know that that's like perilous territory anyway. Right. Like they can't assume it's a slam dunk of getting like virtue points these days. So I have to I have to assume it is based on some some visible market need, right? Whether it's libraries talking about it or you know young parents, as you say. Like I fucking loved Roald Dahl. I read all that shit. It was, it's a great book. Fan. I guess I'm also I, I'm slightly less precious about original texts, right? Because. Even if you are taking an original text like Roald Dahl, well, guess what? In every other language in the world, someone else has changed those words, right? Like beyond the original language it was written in, if it's been an international success, another person's come along and mucked up all the words, right? And they might not have chosen female, they might have chosen woman, and they might not have chosen, you know, father and mother, they might have chosen parents. Like... Who who the fuck knows? There's going to be inconsistencies linguistically from the original text, and that's just been 
how it's worked for, for every other place around the world. So being super precious about the integrity of the original thing probably doesn't reflect the experience of most of the people on Earth who've never read the original thing anyway, you know? Yeah. I guess I guess the issue there is the intent to change, you know, rather than like a translation-y kind of thing. Sure. You know, uh, to it's to coddle. It seems like trying to coddle the world, which I'm not. I'm not sure. Maybe coddling the world is the wrong word there, but it does feel like we are trying to make you know all the all the kind of offensive words. I mean, I don't even understand "fat" as an offensive word because it's an adjective. But we're trying to create this, you know, bubble, soft padded world for for children where oh they can't they can't hear the word fat. I mean, that I seems think I think that's a stretch. Me. I think that's a stretch. I don't think that that's um, the takeaway from it. I think that that there are things which deserve to be um, amended, where there are legitimate reasons that it it could be. Um, negative to a kid to read right like I, like i grew up reading lots of enid blyton stuff right there's fucking gollywogs all through her books <laughs> you know there are depictions of uh, minorities that are really fucking prejudiced um that y- you can't reasonably expect a kid reading to just sort of brush off right they're kids they don't have the emotional maturity of well this was written years ago i i should i'm trying to take the art in the context in which it was created like i i don't mean i'm not blanket against changing things yeah that's the thing like we read it when we were kids but i guess yeah but we were white we're creating this new world for the new humans yeah, but that's that's what literally every generation of humanity is trying to do is to make things better for the kids that come before or that come after us, right? But, uh, it's it's debatable whether it's better. Why? Isn't it? Which part? Because taking out because, like racial prejudice in old books, if it's a classic well, and it's on. not, if <laughs> an, and it's it. not. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to paint you as racist. But, I'm just saying, like, if we're talking about updating, um, like old texts to uh, make them. I don't know, not not to sanitize them, but to, to make them coherent with the culture and the expectations that we now live, you know, of the world that we now live in. What's wrong with that if it's not some fundamental part of the plot? Like, does it matter that you describe someone as fat in all the um, Roald Dahl books where he's using it as a pejorative when it could be something about the personality? Yeah, well, I guess that's. I get. I take your point. I guess part of that is up to the author because you know, you know, even with like, uh, yeah, comedy. You know, you replace. You, you see co- comedians who, you know, are kind of filthy on in the comedy cellar, but then they go on, you know, late night and they have to clean up their act and they, you know, they have to change instead of dick, they have to say, you know, a penis Man or something. Mate. It it, it yeah. can it can. <laughs> you've got thousands of these don't you um, it can change it can change the the impact of the words and i guess that's at the discretion of the author but i mean yeah i think i i don't feel particularly precious about this kind of stuff and and like you said like we've had you know disney had aladdin when aladdin initially came out as gay wait what um, 
uh, yeah, I just, you were just, I just heard reflecting that on your pause. I thought you were yeah. going to interject. Yeah. No. When okay. Aladdin, the film came out as gay, um, <laughs> they had painted the villains, all the villains in a darker um, color. Yeah. yeah. So everyone that was bad was darker skinned yeah. and everyone that was good, Aladdin, Jasmine, the tiger were painted in, in kind of lighter tones and they had to, they actually recolored it in later years. And I think like that kind of stuff is, is makes a lot of sense because yeah. it's, you know, it's blatant, you know, obviously Disney, well, Disney was a fascist, but you know, it's blatant racism there. I don't, I'm trying to like, trying to marry up these two, uh, these two thoughts and two opposing views that I have because they are, they do, when I break it down, they do kind of seem conflicting, but I don't know. The Words interesting seem... one. Sorry. No, 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 I'm running out of steam anyway. The um, the novel thing, I, I just feel like, I, I just don't see how it really hurts people for this to have changed, but I, I don't think that anyone is really asking for it either. Like the thing about... Some women wear wigs and for, for reasons where they're not evil witches is just sort of on its face, a very silly sentence. But, you know, what the <laughs> yes. fuck? like anyone who reads it is not going to be like, well, done with that fucking book. Absolutely not. Well, I'm through. Will, like, it's Will just... Smith might. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, he, he should be a supporter. He should, he should be actually cheering out of his seats. Um, yeah. But anyhow. I just don't think it, it matters that much. Like, I don't think it... I feel like this is going to... This is more of a news item than it really needs to be. I agree. And and to your earlier point as well, the Bible, as you were saying, being, you know, translated, you know, thousands of times over, now we have... We know that we've mistranslated the Bible and still people who adhere to the Bible as, you know, this kind of, this gospel, um, accept the translation. They know the translation is wrong and still they're like, nah, well, this is, this is the one that I know now. Yeah. So maybe that speaks to, you know, how, you know, if you grow up with it, that's, that becomes solidified in your mind as this is the text. And I guess, you know, if, if, if they are replacing the words in Roald Dahl novels, yes, the people who, read them when they came out or when they were growing up in the, in the original form, they accepted them for what it was then. But kids reading them now, if they're changed, they're not going to fucking know really, are they? No, they wouldn't have a clue. The, um, the you know, it, it's a little uh, rude to do this on my dad's birthday, but you could look at any classic text and at a certain point you have to wonder how authentic it is to the... Um, to the original author's writings, but just based on time. Like, do we know really that Shakespeare's plays are word for word from his original manuscripts? Like, it's been a long time now. Maybe we do. Maybe there is a... Um, well, what's the art term for... A provenance for all of the original script writings of that era? And maybe we know... But there's got to be some possibility that those words were mis missed, mistranslated, misunderstood, mis dictated four hundred years ago. Like, yeah. who knows? And yet, it doesn't stop it from being a classic. 
Dude, Shakespeare sucks. I'm just gonna say it. Shakespeare. Oh, you're gonna take Dad offside on his birthday. Oh, is that why? Is that why you were saying the yeah, Dad? Yeah, he thing? loves a Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. I, I actually, I actually do love Shakespeare. I was just trying to be cool. Okay. Love Shakespeare. My favorite one is the Baz Luhrmann one. I yeah. love the Baz Luhrmann Shakespeare. Modern, mm. modern. Could understand. I couldn't understand it, but I could follow it better. <laughs> yeah, it had guns, and that's really what you wanted. And cool shirts. Um, one one last uh, sort of aside on on the idea of of things aging or needing updating. Did you watch Party Down when that came out? Bet your ass I did. I love Party I Down. I feel like we talked about it at um, the cinema a little bit because that you was the You never watched era. it, though, didn't you? I didn't watch it, and I didn't watch it because I think at the time I was writing a TV show set in a cinema, and I was worried that it was going to be too similar in the vibe of what I was writing. It Man, felt like it might you like You could have used a bit of Party Down flair. Possibly could have. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was sort of always on the to-do list, and then... Um, they've just got this reboot coming up and i was like well you know now's as good a time to coming to, to go and and watch it and, and see the new stuff um so you started gone. at the new no no the new's not out but i've gone back to the original okay so i'm ready love it and shit like for 13 years ago a lot of those jokes just do not work in the same <laughs> the same way really the, it is fascinating how quickly the cultural sensibilities and the 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 joke style is just aged like it is so many gay jokes in that really kind of like early well sort of late thousands i guess uh you know how i know you're gay kind of like just this like random insult version of comedy it's like you look like you're wearing a suit and that makes you look gay and that's the joke like that stuff just like doesn't age well and then there's one episode in the middle of the first season where they go to a sex sex show or it's like a it's an award show for the the porn industry or something like that and just about every every beat of that entire episode i was like oh my god me too me too hashtag me too why are they showing the breasts like that why are they why she why is he grabbing that like all of the way through i was just like this is so fucking so fucking gross but now. is it being done by the stupid characters the stuff that was gross to me was stuff that was not explicitly stupid characters okay. so the stupid characters being um awkward and and like slightly predatory you can be like yeah they're the the butt of the joke because it's bad behavior but just like some of the basic stuff of like just real gratuitous like tits and ass yeah. like wow this this doesn't feel the same that it probably did when it launched which was quite a provocative adult show by my understanding did it detract from your enjoyment of the show it actively did i actively really, really struggled to watch that episode other other episodes once i got out of it i was like yeah no it's fine it, it, it's all good but that one episode just just really nah really gave me the x really yeah yeah i've been thinking about this a little bit lately that you know we do are we are we unable to show these kind of you know these moments and i know there's like a bit of talk about like especially comedy tv series where oh that's that's problematic or you can't you can't say that or that's a that's a joke that wouldn't fly now 
But I mean, yeah. that people do make those jokes in real life. So if if television and movies are a depiction of real life in some sense, then I guess like part of me thinks that it should be okay. But I guess like kind of what you're saying is that you have to feel as the audience member that the the show is is in on the joke as well, or, or at least attempting to show that this is wrong rather than getting a getting a laugh out of inappropriate behavior because they think it's they think the thing itself is funny exactly yeah and 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 i think that is a that is a lesson that was learned gradually but you got to remember like 2008 2009 like that's very early days of modern family maybe like we we were pre-gay marriage in a lot of western countries like it was a lot it was still just like a different time and like when when people are just dropping sort of basic slurs like um you know that that jacket's real faggy and you're just like that's that's just not it's not a joke right for for one it's just you i think you recognize it differently as being just like a sort of slur yeah. And I, I think to a to a modern listener, it just you, you. I think that if you hadn't seen it before and you were just showing like a a fifteen year old, they'd be like, "I don't get it." <laughs> like, what's yeah. the joke? <laughs> yeah, it's also you know beyond reflecting what some people are like. I think it also because because of the way people consume television and film, that it can have the effect of. Uh, propagating or perpetuating language or a tone or an attitude so people people don't necessarily see oh this is a character who's this is almost a satire this is a character who's a doofus and you know a racist or a homophobe and he's being a dickhead and you know it's he's shown in that light yeah It, it can also it can also be like oh that's what we're all saying Okay, cool. Like, not a conscious thought, but like, if you know, if you see fifteen TV shows that you're watching, and yeah, that's you know, eight of them say the word "fag" in it, like, you can you can start to think, you know, if you're an impressionable person, that okay, this is an okay thing to say because these characters, uh, you, 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 I'm not sure how much trust as a, as a writer you you can give your audience. You know, I, yeah. I, do you have any insight to that? Uh, like how much do you trust inter- your audience to consume your content in the, sorry to call your show content, but how do, how much do you <laughs> trust your audience to receive it in the, in the way that you want it to and not, yeah. cause it's a responsibility in a way. It's a tricky one because like, I think like I'm still enjoying watching party down that one episode excluded. I think it is funny and I like the people in it, um, but it is very much of its era it is a it is a snapshot it is it is handheld cameras like quite low quality digital cameras at the real early and sort of like that that vague sort of arrested development kind of era thing where it sort of looks like everything's still on a camcorder and everything is very shaky because there's no stabilization and all very flat and people are talking like they did in 2009 and i don't think that you that that any of the people involved many of whom went on to do most of whom went on to yeah. do incredible things, um, acclaimed things t- to this very day. I don't think that you could say any of them are 
trying to be vindictive about it in any way. It was just the way that people thought and talked at the time. And and if they're guilty of anything, it is the same thing that most shows were at that time of just not having a diverse <laughs> writing group or, you know, cast to speak up about that kind of stuff or had a power imbalance that prevented that from happening. Well, but, I mean, maybe they did, though. I mean, you know, you could... Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's within it's within the the realm of possibility that like they did have gay people on that writing stuff, and it was just the it was yeah. just what was it was what they the, thought was funny. Yeah, and maybe maybe you know, I mean, a joke ultimately, and I will get to your question, but a joke ultimately, right, is surprise. Uh, that that is what the concept of a joke is. It is, it, it is the unexpected answer to some sort of setup, right? And perhaps it has just got to the point now where. It could be a joke because it was surprising to hear someone say, you look real faggy in that top. <laughs> and that was just a joke. Maybe now it's come around because it's a very unacceptable <laughs> thing to say to people. But um, I think it's also, you know, at least to my ears, so tired. Like, so, like, if you go back to anything from that era and you watch, like, I love you, man, or, um, you know, the, the 40-year-old version, you know, the, you know how you know, you know how I know you're gay kind of jokes. That was that whole thing. It was that whole stepping stone towards acceptance where you could joke about it and then gradually they become human beings in everyone's yeah. estimation. But it's, it's just so tired now that it, I don't think it registers as comedy to me. Yeah. Now, to, to answer your question as to what expectations can you have as a writer about how your audience reads your work, I think you have to, at a certain point, trust the process, trust yourself, and trust that an audience is self-selecting. Because if they don't like it, there's a million fucking other things they can find. And if they want to like it, maybe they'll stick around and and learn how to watch a show. And I do, it's a phrase that, um, uh, there's a guy called Andy Greenwald on this um, watch podcast, which is, been around for a decade or so there's sort of media analysis and, and Hollywood critique kind of people and it, they always talk about the idea of learning to watch a show or, or being taught how to watch a show which basically just means that as a viewer you bring a lot of your expectations to a, a, a show or to a movie but then as you start to watch it those expectations will be challenged those rhythms or or plots that you're expecting will be different. And you have to learn what it is that the creators are trying to do. And sometimes that requires effort. Sometimes you have to really struggle (laughs) with something before you work it out. And so I, I think as a creator, if you are confident in your artistic, um, goal in your comedic style, it, and you're not a dick, you know, actively trying to insult people. But if you're using, you know, derogatory language or insults, it's it's for a purpose. Then you just have to trust that people will either put in the work and get it or it won't be for them. And, you know, not everything's for everyone. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you can, I don't think good work necessarily comes from reaction, pre, pre-reaction trying to to over explain or or sanitize something preemptively i i think you can get in your head too much if you start to, to think about how it's going to be received yeah no that makes sense well said that's quite a long ramble i'm sorry uh, i 
It was what I asked. What I asked well, for, Nick. Thank you, delivered. Mm. Well, Casper will be happy that we got some mileage out of his fucking suggestion. Yeah. He loves. He's a bit of a narcissist as well, so I think he he'll be happy that you know he's, he's been mentioned name. and he'll Casper. feel like he's he's got he's his in Spain or some other place stamp on this episode. So yeah. Um, Thank you for your 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 message. And if uh, anyone else out there wants to get in touch with some uh, suggestions of topics and discussions, well, we've got plenty of ways. You can head to our Facebook. You can send an email to deepford at gmail.com. You can jump on the Insta and flick a message to our account. Or you could just write it on a note and send it out through the window and just cross your fingers and hope. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add that if you're listening to this on Spotify right now, just just scroll up a little bit and... There's a little button there. It's got five stars next to it. You don't have to give us five stars, but just give it a little taparoo. I can tell you that we've got one, one five-star review. I can't tell you who it is, well, but I appreciate uh, but I can't, I can't, can't do it more than once. So, <laughs> okay, you, you might have um, tipped your hat there, but we'll leave it. At, we'll leave it up to the audience to see if they uh, can work out who might be responsible. Two clicks. I feel like since we've been talking media, this is probably a nice one for a wreck engine. I got I got a bunch of wrecks burning holes. Do you, do you have stuff to talk? I probably got the same one as you, but happy to you take the reins. Can I just piss though? Yeah, grab the keys. Welcome to Deep Thoughts Recommendation Engine. Tell you what, I just bloody love a good piss. It feels <laughs> just, good. Just the satisfaction. I like the satisfaction. I also really like feeling thirsty and quenching my thirst. It's one of my favorite things. We well, to... shouldn't be drinking it, Michael. <laughs> just tastes so good. <laughs> when you when you drink as much Mountain Dew as I do, it's that's <laughs> you can... really good. I think they actually recycle most Mountain Dew from piss anyway. So it's pretty close to the end result. And and you wonder why I get four fillings. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't wonder that. Um, alrighty, a bit of Wreck Engine. I've got a few shows to, to throw out here. But let's start on the one I think that we're both, we're both in love with. Kunk on Earth. Kunk. Kunk on Earth. Kunk on Earth is, is a Netflix comedy documentary series uh some of the minds behind black mirror like uh, charlie brooker and a wonderful uh actress oh, who plays Philomena wow Kunk. sexist dude sexist if it was a man you'd remember diane morgan if it was a man you'd remember well her, i can do her it characters. i can do a good kunk can you hear that okay go ahead if it was a man you would remember yeah not fair, not fair. Uh, that should have been um, like john lennon actually <laughs> it's the same person it's the actual same person um kunk on earth uh diane morgan's been doing this character for years but her, her biggest and greatest yet has been a netflix series where she just explains the entire history of humanity by speaking to academics and and just delivering one of the highest joke per minute counts i've watched in recent memory it is just gold from top to bottom it is loaded with jokes and i gotta say this is almost this is this is my only criticism of the show it is i think it is too packed with jokes wow. because now i 
I like the idea of packing a show or a film with, with jokes because you, you'll kind of find things later. I think that's kind of the, maybe that that's the mentality that like, you know, it's, I think, um, I mean, I'm just comparing it to Sasha Baron Cohen stuff because it's similar, but like when it's like bang, 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 you can't, you, your brain cannot process all the jokes. I think with this, it, because they are the kind of the same tone of joke, I'm expecting the same kind of joke that I think it is a little bit too rich. So I've actually, I haven't even finished the series because I am, right. I'm watching one episode and then giving it a week. I don't think this is a bingeable show. However, this is one of the, I mean, I can't even think of a show that has made me crack up laughing like this has. Yeah, 100%. And, and I agree with that. I I think it needs to be spaced because it's Little like a it's like room. a quality like a quality wine or like a quality after dinner mint. Like you don't want to eat five. You want to have 100%. one, you want it to cap off your evening and then you just put it aside. But the jokes are that good that they could have more space. So it's it's kind of it's a criticism but it's also a compliment. I feel yeah. like the jokes they could they could space out those jokes. They don't need to have everything be a punch. Maybe they could play around a little bit more with the editing, but I think like this like I know this is a, a tried and true and done kind of um, framework uh, formula that like it's a kind of a mockumentary where the the people being interviewed aren't in on the joke, but still it is like. It's outrageously funny. I love her character. I love... I, yeah. Maybe I haven't seen a character that is, like, as daft, but as, like, quietly confident as she is. And I and, think but that's it, the essence. Even beyond that, I think the true success of it is that the daftness and, and idiocy is actually a tool for really profound statements. Like, it's not merely that she can ask really stupid things, <laughs> which she does repeatedly. But then there are moments of actual philosophical genius, where even the academic sitting opposite has to begrudgingly accept that she has made a really good point. Or simple things. I think maybe in the fifth episodes, you might not have seen this, possibly fourth, possibly fifth. They're talking about nuclear annihilation, and the, the um, atom bomb and the Cold War. And she's interviewing someone about this these histories. And she just says, and, you know, it is such a relief that there are no atomic bombs in the world anymore because that would just be, you know, absolutely terrifying. And the guy says, no, no, there are drastically more bombs now that have ever been, you know, before. Like this is, we have thousands of them. And she literally just starts crying. She just <laughs> cries. And it is like, yeah, that's absolutely fucking true. What are we doing? Like, it's one of those, like, moments of brilliance in a show packed with them. But I think for all of the darkness, there is actual genius in the way that they talk about some of this stuff as well. I agree. And she also gets a lot out of the people that she's interviewing. Like and I should, I should uh, clarify for the most part, those people do know that she's a character. It's not a complete. Yeah. Yeah. They've talked about it because she's too pop. She's too famous now. It's like Sasha Baron Cohen 
walking into a set as himself. Like people know her. And for the most part, these academics do know that she is, you know, a character, but they're just briefed to just try and answer her questions sincerely. Like they were talking to a four-year-old and to just do their best and go along with it. So that's almost, they've talked about it. That's, that's, that's Charlie Brooker. And and yeah, it's not, it's not a hidden secret. That's kind of amazing to me, given that, yeah. like, because you're t- the temptation would be like, okay, it's a character. When it's something so stupid, I'm going to laugh. I yeah. almost re- I almost really wish you didn't tell me that. I'm sorry. All good. But, like... I don't think, I don't think it's any worse for... I, I think people's reactions are still their reactions, right? Like, I don't think these <laughs> fucking philosophy academics are going to be able to put on a show. It, well, it doesn't really change that side of it to me like what i was saying is that she gets a lot out of who she's interviewing there's that my favorite my favorite moments are like the ultra pompous philosopher guy who just yes (laughs) who just yes ands everything to her and just like whatever ridiculous shit she says he'll be like that's actually an incredible argument that's an incredible point is that the guy who looks very much like richard dawkins He's, yeah, but he's got, like, the most round face. You know what he looks yeah. like to me? Have you seen that meme of, like, the really round face, but then it's, like, Photoshop, so it's got the really... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what it's you mean. It's got the really small Yeah, yeah tiny eyes little eyes. Mouth. That's what yeah. he... I can't, I can't not think that, but, like, the most ridiculous accent. Um, but then there's also that Greek guy who's talking about the, the Greeks and the Romans, I think, and he's just like, no, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, she gets a lot out of like who she's interviewing and she's doing, like you said, like she's, she, there are moments of like, oh, that's actually kind of a, kind of a cool moment. And like, that's, I'm feeling that on a deeper level, but then it's also just incredibly stupid and silly. Yeah. And you just gotta, you gotta love that. And it's a breath of fresh air and I know it's been done before, but fuck me, kunk on earth. Yeah. One of the great shows that I've seen in ages. And she's a genuinely good performer. I think in the second episode, the end of the second episode, she does like a three-minute one-shot monologue walking around a castle p- painting this picture of like what's happening in this dining room. And it's a single take as she's walking around doing all this really complex stuff that then adding in audio with um, later. And at the end of it, I just felt like standing up and applauding because I was like... I, you would have had to rehearse that for weeks. You would have had to rehearse that monologue to yourself in your hotel room every night of this shoot <laughs> yeah. so that you could go into this thing which you had like one hour at and you were there with the cameraman and you were going to work out where you're going to do it. And she fucking nails it. It is, <laughs> it's like genuinely an impressive performance. Anyhow, we're, we're, we're raving. Kunk on Earth. Alrighty. Uh, we, we did a long seg on Kunk, but I have a couple others to throw here as well. Um, I Hate Susie 2. Did you watch I Hate Susie? Wait. It was Billy Piper. At, oh, I love that. As this, um, yeah, this sort of self-destructive addict, sex act addict kind of um, And that character. was ages ago. It was about 2020, I oh, think. I'd, I'd really love that show. It was fucking great. So, uh, Billy Piper was tremendous in it. And the second season has finally come back. I'm not sure where it is in the in Australia, but uh, the first season was like eight half-hour episodes. The second season, I think for funding reasons, was three 
hour longs. I got to the end of the third one. I was like, wait, what? It's that was, uh, but it is fucking incredible. Really? It is. It is phenomenal. Billy Piper gives an unbelievable performance. Um, This is a show about, yeah, a a former pop idol trying to, who got cancelled because she cheated on her husband and then it hit the tabloids and just everything she does just makes things worse. But she's kind of unlikable and selfish, but you sort of want her to succeed, but she just can't get herself out of shit. And it's just like scrabbling at the D level, C level of celebrity kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's cringe, but it's British and it's and it's just phenomenal. And this second season is called I Hate Susie 2, T-O-O, and it is blistering. Like, it is, wow. it is, she is fucking unbelievable. And uh, it, it's got this whole, so that it's set, it's set in like a reality dance competition where she's like trying to get her fame back up by competing on this dancing show. And it's like all the behind the scenes shit, a lot of incredible, like walking down hallways, talking about stuff. And then truly like impressive choreography. Like she's actually dancing and actually doing a good job. And it is just great. It is really good. If you haven't seen I Hate Susie, you should check it out. And if you did, Michael, see the first, I think you should check out the second because it's only better. I remember absolutely loving the show and I have completely forgotten about it. Yeah. So I am, I'll search for this. I love it when you recommend something that I'm actually going to watch because I think this is the yeah. first. Yeah, it very rarely happens. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have something, Michael? No, I don't. No, I don't. Okay. It's all you. You got me. nothing. Well, I look, I, I won't make it go on too much longer, but I have two more that I know that you won't watch, but that may be for people out there. Um, I'm sure that some of you listening are already watching The Last of Us. That was a HBO show with Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey based on a video game. And I knew it was going to be great, and it is great. It's um, Craig Mazin who did Chernobyl, which I think is a wonderful miniseries. And he brings that same level of humanity and terror to a sort of uh, post-apocalyptic world. And it's just great. Um, So I, I would highly recommend it. Um, and then a lot of one people more. tell me I look like Pedro Pascal. What kind of people? Mexicans. Okay, well, <laughs> I think they should know better. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the last one, uh, which actually came from my dad, so it's a nice full circle moment here, is a French series called The Bureau, um, oh. which uh, is basically uh, Homeland or sort of born identity maybe a good way of describing it's like born identity but without but only the office bits like none of (laughs) none of the action so it's set in the dgsa which is the uh, french um, spy departments french intelligence service and it's it's a really complex well-told multi-season spy story um and dad had recommended it to me years ago it was really fucking impossible to find but I finally got my hands on it, and five seasons later, I've I've loved it. So um, if you like a sort of a dense spy thriller, like a bit of serialized TV, like The Americans, like Homeland, like Bourne, that shit's right up your alley. Give it a go. The Bureau. I'll, I'll 100% watch this. 100%. I don't think I you will. I can't wait to connect with your dad on this. Okay, well. I love all of those shows that you mentioned, and I love... You know, spy and Shakespeare and um, Neil Young, Wagner, Wagner, 
Yeah. All right. Great app. Great app, man. Great app. Pat ourselves on the back, I think, for that one. Yeah. A lot of energy. Um, round of spice. applause. Yeah. Everything nice. No one said anything Take that racist. top off. Let me see that. Let me see that um, wife beater again. No, I don't think so. I don't think I'll be wearing that in front of you again. <laughs> Happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs>